Well, I want to welcome, welcome you again to Sardis. This is one of my favorite Sundays uh, of the year because we get to showcase everything that the kids have done and learned throughout this, uh, what was a super fun week, um, dis- despite the sandwich. Um, <laughs> our, our, our Australia theme was a blast. And just to reiterate a huge thank you to everyone who sacrificed time and resources to make this such a great week. But it wasn't just fun and games. We also had some excellent Bible lessons and some really good discussions. Our focal point this week was on God as creator of everything, and we got the chance to make sure that each kid that participated this week was presented with the gospel in terms they could understand, and that's ultimately why we work so hard to do this every year. In fact, our skit this year, the the kids really got into the skit, and the skit played this out. There There were three people who worked at a nature preserve, one of whom was not a believer, and the other two spent the week introducing Taylor, played by Maddie Spears, to God and the truth of his word through evidence found all throughout creation. And it lined up with the, the Bible lesson and everything else that they were doing that day. So they really, really got into that storyline this year. And we're going to recap this morning and review some of what we studied this week um, not only because it's good for the kids, but also because it's, it's timely and it's crucial for us to understand as well. And in doing so, there are some practical pieces of encouragement that I want to point out as takeaways for today. But before we jump into what we learned at VBS this week, every day of VBS we started the same way, and that was by starting with prayer. And so we're going to do the same thing today. Today is no different. So we're going to start today by going to the Lord in prayer. So let's, let's, let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again so much for today, for who you are, for everything that you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for creating each and every one of us unique and for the evidence of your handiwork that we see throughout creation and everything all around us. Lord, we just thank you for how you've revealed yourself to us and for the opportunity you've given us to, to praise your name and to dig into your word a little bit this morning, to see what the kids have learned and to see their excitement and the fruit of uh, everyone's labor here. Uh, Lord, we, we love you and we praise you and we just uh, pray that everything that we do today would praise your name for everything that happened this week. And it's in Christ that we pray. Amen. All right. Well, what we learned this week, our, our, t- our entire theme for this week, if you want to sum it all up, is that all life is created by God. And our theme verse, as Felicia alluded to already, or as she mentioned earlier, was Psalm 139, 14. But for our purposes this morning, we're going to back up and and get the whole picture. So if you want to turn with me in your Bible to Psalm 139, we're going to look at verses 13 through 16. We're going to look at that whole section. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Again, that was the theme verse. Each day we had a specific Bible study or a specific verse, different things that we looked at, but they all tied back to that theme verse. At the end of every day, we, we brought it back to that. So Psalm 139, starting in verse 13, the psalmist writes, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And then we also saw in Genesis 1.27 that we are made in the image of God. 
Now, it doesn't get much more intimate than this. Man was not God's only creation, though. So, though we focused on that, that wasn't the only thing that God created. If you look at Colossians chapter 1, Colossians 1 verses 15 through 17 says, uh, this is Paul writing to the church at Colossae, talking about Christ, and he says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. We see the same thing in the Old Testament. In the very first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In these passages, we see plainly that God is responsible for creating everything, and we see evidence of that all throughout creation. Some of the examples that we looked at this week, one, for example, is baby koalas. We, we, we talked to the kids, and I just that, this stuck with me. I thought it was interesting. Baby koalas, for example, are born the size of a jelly bean. How many of you knew that? I didn't know that. Baby koalas are born the size of a jelly bean, and as soon, as soon as they are born, as soon as they're born, they instinctively climb up through their mother's fur into her pouch and attach themselves to the mother so that they can grow and receive nourishment. That's not something that they just figured out on their own. They're born knowing that's what they need to do. That was, that was woven into them. Or just to take an example that, that I've used multiple times before, if you take the eye, think of, think of our eyes, for example. Dozens of individual parts all working in unison in order that we can see. There's not a simpler form of an eye. There's no more basic version that the eye could have evolved from. If you take away any single part of the eye, it doesn't work. There is no sight. There's no function. All of creation screams intelligent design and is covered with the fingerprints of its, of its creator, which is God. But here in the Psalms, we see that God created mankind unique. As the, the song the kids sang said, Wonderfully made, I'm so wonderfully made. The crowning creation, if you will, was mankind. And the psalmist makes a couple of observations about the nature of his creation as he reflects on it. First of all, in this passage in Psalm 139, we see that all cre- that his creation was intentional, that the psalmist recognizes that God formed him. It didn't just happen. God put him together. That's God actively creating, molding, shaping, knitting him together the way God wanted him to be. God wasn't passive while these biological processes worked themselves out, worked their magic, if you will. He's active in the creation of each individual person, and he creates them all individually, creates them all unique. Second, we see that God did not bestow life upon the psalmist when he was born, but that life began in the very beginning, even before the beginning. It was God actively working and forming and growing him every step of the way from conception to birth inside his mother's womb. You knitted me together inside my mother's womb. Now, This concept is under attack in our society and has been for decades. Our sinful nature rebels and recoils from any notion that God defines anything, including life itself. The sinful heart says, I define it, I create it, I control it, I am autonomous. That's the big word for today. No one can tell me what to do. No one can tell me right from wrong. 
To accept the psalmist's words at face value, though, is to accept that you are not in complete control, that life is not all about you, and it leads right into his next observation, which is that each person is then created for a purpose. God formed more than our persons, more than our bodies, more than our personalities in the womb. God is so much bigger than that. It says he also formed our days. He didn't just create life in the beginning and then turn us loose to do as we desire, but he created each one of us unique for a specific purpose. No life is accidental, but God has a plan for each and every one. This week we were all reminded of the fact that God is the author and the personal artist, if you will, of all life, and that he created men and women unique and in the image of God himself then based on the fact that God is the author or artist of each individual life, and our life is derived from God's good pleasure, and because we are made in His image, we also saw that that dictates how we treat one another. The kids spent some time exploring a verse that was probably somewhat familiar to them. It's probably familiar to many of us. It's often referred to as the golden rule. In Luke 6.31, Jesus says, As you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. In other words, the way my parents always told us was treat other people the way you want to be treated. And obviously, most of, the, most of you guys probably say something similar because all the kids knew that one. Uh, they, they were able to recite it in, in uh, my standard version. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Now, this is not a form of manipulation. A lot of times we get this confused. It's not a form of manipulation, and that's how kids typically try to take it, and sadly, many adults do as well. It doesn't say treat others how they treat you, nor does it say that they will treat you how you treat them. Neither one of those extremes is accurate. If we look at this, their response is irrelevant. We see the same thing as we just finished 1 Peter we went through First Peter, we saw that other people's response to us has nothing to do with how we are to handle and conduct ourselves in our present circumstances. How we treat other people has nothing to do with how they respond or what they do back to us. Their response is irrelevant. We don't treat other people's respectfully and with dignity because of what they will or what they might or what they could possibly do for us, but we do so because God made them. It's that simple. Knowing that God created all and that God created each of us unique forms the basis of why we are to treat other people with respect and dignity and patience and mercy and grace. They are created by God, each one of them, just as I am. And in that sense, as the theme song points out, we're all one family. One way we emphasized this or illustrated this was through our challenge this year. And here I want to specifically offer you all a few words of encouragement here. Throughout the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, God shows special concern for the poor and the vulnerable and the needy. Look at James 1.27. James writes, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. We see a similar idea for coming from John in 1 John 3, 17 and 18. He says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us, <clears throat> let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. 
a little over a year ago as a way of living this out, as a way of showing care and concern and reaching out to the most vulnerable in our community right here, we partnered with the Good Shepherd Church in their food pantry ministry. Their ministry served a very legitimate need, but they were struggling to maintain the, the food that they needed. And so we came along and began to partner with them and to try to serve those in our community who might need help making ends meet. Last year, we collected over 2,500 canned good items, mostly vegetables, during VBS. And you as a church have been faithfully donating hundreds of dollars worth of food and supplies each month to continue to help that ministry grow. That's not just something that we collect one time in the summer and we send it to them and then just you know kind of check off the box and pat ourselves on the back that we did a good thing. This is something that you guys as a church bought into last year, and this has kind of become part of who we are here at Sardis. It's become something that has, has grown and continued to grow. On top of that, many of you have served there, not just writing a check, not just bringing food, but being an active participant, getting to know people, hearing their stories. Ricky and I delivered some food one time and got to see some of the, the people's lives firsthand and make some actual, build some relationships seeing the need right here in our community. And it is truly a blessing to see your heart as a church overflow with compassion for people in need right here around us. We're not perfect, but as a church, this is a call to care for those in need. And it's really encouraging to see how you all have stepped up to the plate and taken this ministry on gladly and passionately. And it's encouraging to see how many of you have taken advantage of this opportunity to not just check a box, but to truly act, to truly show love for your neighbors, to truly live out what God's Word says we are to do. And this ministry has, has grown to become part of who we are in the community. We are, we are known, it, is, it gets out around the community that Sardis is partnering with Good Shepherd, That's, that these two churches are partnering together, and the food pantry itself not only have the supplies of the pantry grown, to be able to better provide for the needs, but the number of families utilizing the pantry has more than doubled in the last year since we have gotten involved. And it continues to grow. We had a bunch of food brought in last year, but I'm pretty sure we crushed our totals from last year this time around, both in number and definitely in value. What you guys have realized and really bought into is not just... It's not just this idea of I want to I want to check the box. I want to pat myself on the back for doing a good good deed. And in my Sunday school class, we've been going through the book of Malachi, and one of the things that the prophet Malachi that God chastises the people for through the prophet Malachi is that their worship is nothing more than going through the motions. The sacrifices they bring, the worship that they are offering is not really from a right heart attitude. It's not out of genuine care and concern and love for the Lord. It's just out of some kind of religious, ritualistic action. And in many ways, that's very easy for this to become that. But looking around at what you guys have brought, what we see is that many of you have gone out and, and over time, as people get involved in this ministry, they begin to go out and donate, not just things that are cheap that they can check off the box, but things that if I was, in, if I was somebody, these are the things that I would eat. These are the things that I would want. And what we've seen is the nature of what is being given what has been donated has changed 
because it's not just checking off a box. It's seeing faces and knowing, I want to help this person, so I'm going to get them something that's going to be beneficial for them. That's the difference between just checking a box, just doing a religious action, and showing genuine care and concern for other people. And so it was extremely encouraging. And again, I want to offer that encouragement to you guys. Looking at all this food up front, that truly is a blessing, not only on the community, but it also reveals your heart. And that is, that is such a cool thing to see. The response this year was, was even greater. Some of that was because, we'll just be honest now, some of that was because y'all wanted to see Miss Tammy or wanted to save Miss Tammy from eating this Vegemite sandwich, which I still think the fact that she called in outside favors might have been out of bounds, but we're just going to let that go. I'm not bitter about that at all. And in all reality, I told somebody else, that, you know, it, it could have been worse. I would not have paid for that, but it wasn't that bad. It wasn't terrible. It was definitely worth all this. So anyway, fair or not, it's okay. I'm not bitter. But whatever people's motives were, this pile of food right here in front of me will go to serve the poor and vulnerable in our community. And though we did have a lot of fun with it, as you can tell, the kids have been talking about it. We got so many. We, I think we enjoyed more hearing back from the parents because the kids listened to us explain what was going on. And then when they went home and tried to retell it, we had everything from people getting pineapples smashed in their faces. I mean, we heard all kinds of crazy stories of what people thought was going to happen. So we did have a lot of fun with this. But the reality is that each item donated represents a small sacrifice made for the good of others. And we should rightfully desire to do that because all people are created by God and therefore worthy of dignity and respect and care. But more than food or clothing or anything else, all these things are good. These are things we should do. These are things we should desire to do. And it's great to see your heart on display here and to legitimately see us fulfilling what God has asked us to do as a church by partnering with this and by getting on board with this and by jumping into this and participating as you guys have by showing this, this love and compassion and care. But more than anything else up here... As those created by God, yet marred and stained by sin, what we all need ultimately is Jesus. Their last daily verse that we looked at on Thursday was John eleven twenty five. This is the context of, of this story is the, the death of Lazarus. But Jesus, in, in, in verse, chapter 11, verse 25 of the Gospel of John, Jesus says, it says, And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That was our memory verse on the final day. This, is, this takes place, the, uh, the, the death of Jesus' friend Lazarus, and the conversation that he had with Lazarus' sister moments before he raised Lazarus from the dead, and in so doing, proving he had authority not only over life, but over death as well. Because of sin's infection of the world, we're all on a collision course with death. God knows, as the psalmist writes, God knows the number of days we will spend on this earth. And God knows when our time with, will end. The psalmist said, He formed my days when as yet there were none of them. God knows the number of our days. However, when our time on earth is up, that's not the end. The truth is, the reality is, that Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you and I could never live, and died a brutal death on the cross to pay the 
death penalty, the capital punishment for our sin in our place. But he didn't stay dead. He conquered death and rose again and is seated today at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us on our behalf. Through his sacrifice, he made it possible for all of us sinners to be redeemed and made right before God. He calls each and every one of us to repent from our sin and believe in him, trusting him by obeying him and surrendering our lives to his will. In doing so, he takes our sin and gives us, exchanges it for his righteousness that we might stand before God on judgment day and be found not guilty. To be found that our debt has been paid and we will enter into eternal life with him in his goodness and mercy and inherit life on a new earth free of sin and pain and suffering. Though he die, yet shall he live. But that's a two-way street. In other words, there, there are two options. That's not the only, that's not the ultimate default destination for every one of us. For any of us, that's not the default. Those who reject God's work on their behalf, those who choose to live for themselves, who do not submit their lives in obedience to God's word, will spend eternity in hell under God's wrath, receiving the justice that's due their own sin in themselves. This is what, truth be told, what we all deserve. This is what we all deserve. This is the just punishment for our sinful natures. Yet God in His mercy made a way of escape, a way of salvation, and it's freely offered to all who would turn from sin and surrender to Him and to His leading. This is, this is the gospel, and the gospel is, a heart, is at the heart of everything we did this week because this is what we all need above all. That's what we all need above all. That's what, every, that's what this is all about. But I want to leave you this morning with, with one final encouragement. As I said, this, this VBS, this topic was very timely because to just address the elephant at the room at the same time that, we're, that our kids are learning. And we, we picked this VBS, the committee decided on this VBS this time last year. But as we're talking about the sanctity of all life and God's role as the creating source of it all, at the same time the Supreme Court issued its historic ruling, striking down the Roe and Casey decisions and turning the abortion issue over to the states to decide individually. And this is truly something to praise God over. And it's an answer to the prayers that we as a church have been praying for years. And this is, there's cause for celebration, but I want to encourage you not to quit now. In many ways, the, the work is just beginning. There's a huge, and this is the encouragement for you guys, there's now a huge opening for the church to step in and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Too often I find that many people are quick to defend life as made in God's image and worthy of dignity and respect with their words, but their actions do little to live this out. With this decision, with this opportunity, comes, comes lots of legitimate questions about the foster system and single parents and inflation and cost of living, etc. And this is where the church can step up to the plate. These are legitimate issues, and I firmly believe that this is an opportunity for the church, including us here at Sardis, to put our faith into action and be doers of the word rather than hearers only. So I would encourage you to think long and hard. How can you as an individual care for the most vulnerable in your circle? 
Could you get involved in the foster system or serve in a support role in an organization that does? Do you know of single parents struggling to make ends meet that you can come alongside and assist? Have you ever considered partnering with or serving a pregnancy resource center to help new parents navigate the early stages of parenthood? And then not just as an individual, but as a church, be thinking and praying, how can we as a church continue to expand our current ministries to continue to help those in need as new needs arise? The opportunities for this are endless, and the exact needs will become more clear as all of this plays out over the next few months. But I want to encourage you to be thinking about and looking for ways that we can get involved, ways that you can get involved. This is a day to celebrate the sanctity of human life, and while politics are a necessary part of life in this country and in this world, and we do well to participate as we can and to stay informed, we can often fall into the trap of being consumed by the politics at the expense of our witness. We just finished 1 Peter, which is a call for believers to stand firm in the face of persecution and suffering. And, the, and the, these things will come to those who stand on God's word and who stand for what God says is right. If you've been on social media at all the last couple of days, you've probably seen some of the genuinely hateful and often disgusting rhetoric coming from people upset by this Supreme Court decision. It's, it's sad and disheartening, but what is even more so What's even more so is to see Christ followers retaliate or respond in kind with words that are equally unkind. We've, we've covered abortion in depth before. Today's not the day or the time to go over all the arguments and the misrepresentations being thrown around, the accusations being made. But as Christ followers, this is the encouragement that I want to offer you based on everything that we've looked at this week. I want to remind you of Paul's words to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4. Starting in verse 29, Paul says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Be careful what you say. That's the encouragement that I want to leave you with today. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you respond. Think through your response or if you should even respond at all. Though it's not perfect, we do well to celebrate this decision. That's, that's good. That's great. That's to be commended. We must speak the truth, but our speech must be full of grace and patience and truth. Know that our position of all life being sacred will be attacked, but may we bear it and answer it while maintaining our witness for Christ. In other words, don't let rash words tarnish your witness or distract from the gospel. As we talk about, as we've celebrated all week long how God's active role in creating each and every one of us and creating us unique, may that be the focus and may we continue to look for ways to minister, look for new doors opening for us to minister and to serve, but may we not get caught up in the fray and tarnish the gospel or tarnish our witness because of words spoken in anger 
or words spoken in retaliation. But like I said, God, by God's providence, this was a timely topic. We had a, we had a great time with it. We had a great time this week, and we all learned a lot, kids and adults alike. The lessons this week may have been explained on a kid's level, but God's Word and His principles are for us all. So may we all take them to heart. If you're here today and you've never heard of God's intentional design of you and your life, or you know that, that, that you've never surrendered your life to Him, and you know that, that you need that, you know that you need Him, please find myself or Pastor Mark after the service, and we would love to walk you through what it looks like to follow Christ and how to have assurance that you will inherit that promised eternal life with Him. I want to thank you again to all the volunteers who made this week possible, as well as to all the kids who participated and behaved so angelically, said with no sarcasm at all. But thank you to all the kids who participated and the parents and the guardians who made it a priority to get them here and for them to be here and allowing us to spend this time investing in their lives. As the praise team comes to lead us in one final song of worship and praise, let's Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for today. Lord, we thank you for the day today that you have made. Lord, for the fact that you've made everything, that everything has your handiwork, that everything reflects your fingerprint. We thank you for how you have made each and every one of us unique, that you have, again, that we see your image in us and how we're different from all the rest of your creation. Lord, we thank you for loving us even when we are so often unlovable. And Lord, I pray that we would, that we would remember that and not just know that or speak to that or affirm that with our words, but that we would truly live that out, that we would seek to treat all people with dignity and respect because they are made in your image, that we would seek to serve those around us, that we would seek to come alongside, that we would recognize that everything we have and everything we've been given, that none of it is ours, that it's all yours. And I pray that we would steward it in a way that brings honor and glory to you and points people to you. And Lord, I pray as a church that you would give us opportunities, that you would give individuals out here opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be the mouthpiece of of God as we go from this place today and as we enter into a society that's so bitterly divided and it's so so full of trash talk and um, high emotions. Lord, help us to be help us to be that calming voice. Help us to stand firm in the truth, to not waver from what your word has said, but help us to do so with grace and with truth and with mercy and out of kindness and love for one another. Help us to truly seek to be the hands and feet of Christ. And Lord, we again, we thank you for your active work in creating us, for the fact that we know that each and every day that you give us, you give us for a purpose. And may we use everything we've been given. May we live each and every day to bring honor and glory to you. And it's in Christ that we pray. Amen.